We're continuing our, our series today, Dear Church, uh, the seven rep, uh, churches in Revelation. And in some ways, this church, Thyatira, that we're going to talk about today, may be the closest in DNA to Coast Bible Church, our church. And we might be in danger of, of some of the same uh, difficulties. And so, without further ado, let's check out the text together. Uh, and the angel uh, to the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, Coast Bible Church, Church of Thyatira, your love, faith, service, patient endurance. I know that your last works, the, the latest stuff that you've been, done, been doing has been gre- better than the first. You've been growing in these things, love, faith, service, patient, endurance. But I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet and is teaching and beguiling my servants to practice fornication, that's old English for sex, and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her bad sex. Going on, beware, I am throwing her on a bed, and those who commit adultery with her I am throwing into great distress until they repent of her doings, and I will strike her children dead. And all the church, when I do this, all the churches will know that I am the one who searches hearts and minds, and I will give to each of you as your works deserve. But to the rest of you, those of you who aren't following Jezebel, those of you in, in, in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, we'll talk about that, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Just hold fast what you have until I come. And if you do, to everyone who overcomes, who conquers, and continues to do my works to the end, I will give authority over the nations to rule them with an iron rod as when clay pots are shattered. Even as I also receive authority from my Father, to the one who overcomes, to the one who conquers, I will also give the morning star. Let anyone who has an ear to listen, an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. All right, that was, that was a little intense, and we're gonna unpack it because there's a lot going on there. A little maybe difficult to understand, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna unpack it. So let's let's begin at the beginning and notice that Jesus first he's being described as the one with eyes like flames of fire and uh, feet are like burnished bronze. This is imagery that indicates, and uh, John used this inner imagery early in the first uh, chapter of Revelation, which we heard. Um, it, it indicates Jesus' authority and power. Right? He's like, he's like the, he's the guy, I mean, he's scary. He's like, he's, he's terrifying, like flaming eyes and, and huge boots of, of, of metal indicating that this guy is in charge. He's in control. And the one who's in, in control, he's the one who, who first notices how great Thyatira is. Like, if you've been with us in this series, you know that things like love, faithfulness, service, and patient endurance are the things that he's been, Jesus has been asking the other churches to, to do. They've, they've failed in this, and Thyatira has done really, really well. Like, if you are in a congregation or you're in a church and you see that it's filled with love, it's filled with, with belief and sometimes even faithfulness, if you see that church reaching out and serving, if you see that church going hard and staying with it even when times are tough, that's an awesome church. Like, that's the real deal country. I think that's our kind of church. I think that's what our church is like. A lot of you uh, don't understand why you hate the latest Star Wars trilogy, but you know that you do. 
You're like, I've, I've, I've seen them and I know something's wrong. This doesn't feel right. This is not, this just isn't Star Wars. And I, I can explain why that. I have a picture here of the two, the two, there's original, there's Luke Skywalker and then there's Rey. I don't know her last name. What is it? Palpatine? Is she, she ends up being related to the Emperor? I completely forgot the last movie because I hated it so much. I checked out. So you're wondering why you hate it. I'll tell you why. The problem with Rey is that she is flawless from the time we meet her. If you haven't seen this movie, she like, she shows up on the scene. She's like an orphan. At beat for beat, J.J. Abrams just ripped off the story from A New Hope and then just plugged these new characters into it. And so beat for beat, she's an orphan on Tatooine or a desert planet like Luke. And she's like super awesome at fighting. She's amazing. Like the very first scene, she like beats a whole bunch of people up. Then uh, randomly, she sees the Millennium Falcon, which is Han Solo's spaceship. She jumps into the Millennium Falcon, pilots it better than he does, even though she's never touched it before. Um, and then she gets a lightsaber. She becomes super awesome at lightsaber fighting. Uh, she beats the best lightsaber warrior in the, in the universe at the end of the movie. And you're like, what? I mean, this person's t- completely unreal. You contrast that to Luke. I mean, what? Luke was a, f- he was whiny. Do you remember? Like, like, I wanted to go to Tashi Station and pick up some power converters. I mean, that's our introduction to the guy. And then, you know, he's like, he's scared. He's, he's doubts himself. He, he's, he's, he's human. Right? The first time he's playing with the lightsaber, he's just getting zapped. It gets even worse. He disobeys his Jedi master, uh, ends up getting his friends in trouble, you know, frozen in carbonite, all kinds of terror. He makes mistake after mistake after mistake. And it's overcoming those things that makes Luke a hero. When you're watching Ray, you realize this isn't a human being. This isn't a real person. This is just something that some, you know, J.J. Abrams, whoever, like, came up with. Just that, and, like, and, and it's not, and, and, the, and, and that's because we know as human beings we're flawed, right? We, we know that even at our best, even at our most heroic, we're kind of a mess. Like, if we're really honest about ourselves, we know that we are broken people. And churches are like that, too. You could be at the most awesome church ever, this one. And then as soon as you, like, if you peek under the hood, you're like, wow, drama. You know, I can't believe that's going on. And that's why we as a church, that's why one of our fundamental, like, our, our number two values, Bible, Bible, grace, grace, and family. We know that we need grace. Luke needed grace. In fact, it's, it's grace, really, that, that propels Luke to become the hero that he's, he meant, was meant to be. Ray doesn't need grace. She's perfect. Thyatira is like Luke. Coast Bible Church is like Luke. Thyatira has some amazing things about it. Love, faithfulness, service, uh, patient endurance. Like all the marks of an awesome congregation. But they're flawed. And in some cases, I think we might share their flaw. The first thing I know, Jesus. Every hero and every church is flawed. That's why we need Grace. Uh, Jesus is going to give grace to Thyatira. Remember at the end there, he's like, hey, those of you who aren't with Jezebel, just hold on. You're doing great. Like, I, I know that you're messed up, but that's okay. I love you. I'm going to stay with you. But, 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 there's a problem. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. Tolerate there is uh, afiemi in Greek. It usually means like permit or, or uh, forgive often. 
Um, you, you, you forgive or permit that woman Jezebel. Jezebel, that name comes from the Old Testament. That's not her real name. Uh, we don't know her real name. This is a, 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 it's the name of Ahab, the evil king's uh, evil wife in the Old Testament. She was the one, uh, Jezebel was the one who talked Ahab into uh, bringing all of Israel into um, like worshiping bad, naughty gods that did awful things. And so it's very appropriate that this woman is called Jezebel because she calls herself a prophet. She says she's teaching, but what's she teaching them? She's teaching them bad sex and food sacrificed to idols. What does that mean? Uh, this is the first church uh, that we've encountered that is completely, that it has a portion of the church that is completely sold out to the pagan world. And what that means is this, this woman has, has decided, for some reason, we'll talk about it, that it's okay to go to pagan sex parties. I have a picture here. Uh, most of the art that depicts pagan sex parties is inappropriate for church uh, for obvious reasons. Even the classical stuff, like I'd probably get in trouble if I showed it, any of it to you. This is, this is one that's a little more ancient and um, kind of gets out. They're dancing, right, for Saturnalia. At the time of the writing of the New Testament, uh, there were many, many uh, cults in the Roman Empire, and it was almost like ubiquitous. Almost all of them practiced something like this, where um, during worship, their worship would be, they would get together, and they would um, feast on, on like, sacrificed meat and, and drink a whole lot of wine, and then it, it was an orgy, like, like don't know what to say. Like, that's just what happened. That's what Jesus is talking about. This woman uh, who says she's a prophet and a teacher in the church is telling people it's totally cool to do this. Why was she tolerated? Why did they permit this? I mean, there's a whole bunch of people in Thyatira who are probably like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Uh, it's a, lot of, a lot of people think that Jezebel was the, the, the pastor's wife. Or maybe an elder's wife. Air bear. Control yourself. <laughs> a lot of people think that because, like, how, how would you get away with this? And not only that, how does she come to the conclusion that that's okay to do? Well, we know uh, from a lot of different sources uh, from the, around the time of the New Testament, uh, we know that um, a lot of Christians, uh, when the, especially the younger Christians and uh, Gentile Christians, they found out that Jesus freed them from the law. Right? They, Jesus freed them from the law. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection frees us so we no longer have to keep to the works and, and the stuff that's in the law. So Christians were allowed to eat pork and bacon, thank God. Uh, Christians didn't have to be circumcised. Uh, great. Uh, there were lots of things that Jewish people had to do that the Christians didn't, didn't. And so some of these people heard what the Apostle Paul said. Paul says things like, um, anything, that you, that anything done without faith is sin. They started to believe that not only are we liberated from the Old Testament law, we're liberated from every law. If we're living by the Spirit, there are no things that are imper- that are permissible to us. If we do it by faith, we can do anything. And here at this church, I mean, I've preached many times. I'm like, look, God doesn't give you like a list of stuff that you can and can't do. What God gives you is the Spirit by whom we discern how we live. So what's keeping us? Is Jezebel wrong? What, what, what really keeps us from just saying, ah, heck with it. We can do it all. The marriage is open now. I can sum it up in one picture. 
This one. I know all of us are feeling the same way I feel when I see this. You're getting anxious. You're angry. Uh, you're thinking, who, why? How? How, how could you? I took this picture this morning. It's in that bathroom right now. I am enraged. There's two rolls there. They're both backwards. Okay, if you do this in your home, you're you're wrong. Uh, Because there is only one way to dispense toilet paper, and that is from the top. You know, like top, and you roll it down. You can tear it off easily. You don't have to reach under and like... Get when God created toilet paper, this was what He intended. No, no, this is what He didn't intend. This is wrong. It's unnatural. It's perverse. I, I, I bring this up because it's true. The way that the Bible thinks about God and the way that God interacts in the, with, with humanity in the Bible is God has has created an order to the universe. Right? God has created purpose for everything in the, in the universe. Okay. Um, God's, God's made it a certain way, and so for human beings, right, God created us in his image, meaning that partially that our, our purpose are, is to be like him, for Christians to follow in the footsteps of Christ, be like Jesus, right? And, and you can do this with, with all sorts of different features of the natural world. God set it up in certain ways. And so, for example, sex, God designed to create children and to have families, Right? So not only does sex, sex can create little baby friends, um, but it also, in a marriage, uh, can bring uh, the husband and wife together literally, and also spiritually and emotionally and psychologically, so to promote the health of the family. Right? That's what sex is for. That's the natural order. That's what God intended when he invented it. And so it doesn't matter how free you are, you can't change what God made it for. And when you do, you start going to places like Jezebel went, where she was like, ah. In the spirit, by faith, I can take this thing that God designed for a purpose and just... First thing in your note sheets, um, or second thing in your note sheets, grace gone wild is what this is. And if you hear a double entendre there uh, based on some DVDs from the early 2000s, well, you should, because that's what happens when grace gets out of control. It breaks God's moral law. Why? In the name of freedom, liberty, me. As Americans especially, this is very difficult for us because uh, we have a culture that is obsessed in a lot of ways with liberation, right? Being liberated from restrictions. That's kind of like, that's like American, that's a lot of our definition of freedom, right? I'm free to do what I want. Government can't tell me that. Or you can't treat that in me like this. I, this is, I'm, I'm constructing myself. I've decided that I'm going to be whatever, and I'm changing the rules of the game. I'm going to construct an identity for myself because, by golly, I can. And so while it seems probably pretty wild for me to say this, I, I think that the danger for Thyatira is the danger for Coast Bible Church because we are a grace church. You're going to notice we don't really judge each other a lot around here. 
We're actually super, like, gracious. I don't sit around and think about all the bad things that you're doing. I, I, I trust that Jesus is going to be gracious and that you're going to grow through those things and, and we're going to grow together. Like, I, I'm not, we're not in the business of oppressing people. And there, that comes with a danger, right? It comes with a danger. The danger is we might get so gracious that suddenly we're permitting things that are just completely off the reservation. Start simple and it gets crazy. Especially if Aaron's the one doing it, wife of the pastor. Well, what's going to happen to Jezebel? Jesus is very, very hardcore here. Um, Beware, I am throwing her on a bed. That's a Greek idiom. It just means uh, to be bedridden with illness. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to make her so sick she can't get out of bed. And those who commit adultery with her, those who go to those parties with her, I'm throwing into great distress unless they repent of her doings. And I will strike her children dead. I don't think uh, we're talking about Jezebel's literal kids. I think that this is, Jesus is, is Jewish, and so he's using a Hebraism where he says one thing and then resets it and emphasizes it. So the first thing, great distress unless they repent, and then it emphasizes that, makes it more intense. I'll strike them dead if they don't, if they don't turn around. And this is going to be a sign. All the churches are going to know who's in charge, who can peer right into hearts and minds, who knows what's up. When they see this, they're going to realize, I am the guy with flaming eyes and bronze boots. That bit about the deep things of Satan, um, we, we know uh, from the later uh, church history, the, the Gnostics, which were um, from the second and third centuries AD, who probably were the sort of spiritual descendants of Jezebel, uh, what they would do is they were like, I'm so free because of grace, because of Jesus, that I can, I can go into the den of Satan. I can learn the, the, the deepest, darkest secrets of the enemy, and it won't affect me at all. I'll come out fine. Sex parties, weird traditions, all kinds of blood, all the violence. I can do it. I can be a part of all of it, and, and I'm free. It doesn't touch me at all. It doesn't. I mean, is Jezebel right? I don't think she is, and for two reasons. One, either Jesus is going to be doing these things, you know, making her ill, or those things are just going to happen to her. I cook with Soren, and so does Aaron. We, Soren's three, and he absolutely demands to be involved in everything that's happening, um, regardless of whether it's appropriate for him or not. He just can't stand being alone. And so when we're cooking, he's always there, so he likes to mix stuff. He also is really, really excited about uh, the stove, and he really, he thinks that fire is awesome. And so th- this isn't Soren, this is stock photo, but it pretty much is accurate. The thing's blazing hot, and he's like, oh boy, well, let's put, m- mommy, put the eggs in. I want to touch them while they're in there. And we're like, gosh, get away, get away. Because we know, naturally, you play with fire, you get burned. So I'm not sure if Jesus is being like, hey, I'm going to send you an illness you wouldn't otherwise have got, or... Hey, guess what happens to people who go to a lot of sex parties? Bad things. They often end up bedridden. So it's hard to know. Is this like a is it natural consequence of you just, you know, going off the reservation, doing your own thing, and then and, and Jesus is like, this is what's going to happen to you? Or is Jesus like, I'm going to cut this off right now. I'm going to slap you hard. So I hope you recognize that you need to stop this. 
It's hard to say. I'm not sure. Um, I could go either way. Maybe it's both. Um, but the bottom line is this. Whatever happens, whether it's a natural consequence of just going off and doing your own thing, or it's Jesus being like, get in line. That's why we punish our kids, right? To get them back in line. Like, I don't want you to go there. I want you to... Whichever it is, you're going to get burned. That's the next thing to know, cheap. Sometimes sin has natural consequences. Sometimes God is punishing. But either way, Jezebel goes by the church. You're going to get burned. And don't think for a second that Jesus is mean. Right? Did you notice that bit where he, uh, Jesus is like, I gave her time to repent. She refused. I gave her time. I said, Jezebel, this is not okay. This is not what I set uh, up, uh, the, the law that I set up. This is not the order of the universe. You need to get back in line. She said, no, I'm not listening. I like what I'm doing. And she said, okay. And so what about uh, the, the, the rest of the people in Thyatira? One of the things that's going on here is Jesus is saying, you've done a really great job. I'm proud of you. And I'm actually not going to have, you're not going to have to worry. I'm going to take care of Jezebel. I'm going to cut that. I'm going to cut her right out of your congregation. And, 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 and so all I'm asking you to do, all I'm asking is to stay with that love, that faith, that service, that patient endurance. Stick with it, Coast Bible Church. You, I, I'm going to get rid of this, this, this sickness that's a part of, of your congregation. You hold fast. And if you do, I will give you authority over the nations to rule them with an iron rod. As when clay pots are shattered. This is a quotation from Psalm 2. You can open up in your uh, pew Bibles. Psalm 2, uh, verses 8 and 9. At the time of the writing, this was widely understood to be a messianic prophecy. Um, it was widely understood to be God promising the people of Israel that if they were faithful, if they stuck with it, that he would make them rulers of the world. It didn't quite go that way, but Jesus is saying, but it is going to go that way, just not the way you expected. I am going to make you rulers of the world, but only if you can stick to and submit to the law I've given you. Notice he says, even as I also received authority from the Father. Jesus comes, God sends uh, the Son who's in, who perfectly submits to the, the Father's will, and as a result, God gives Jesus authority. Right? God trusts Jesus because the Son is completely in keeping with submission to God's authority. So God the Father gives some of his authority to the Son. And Jesus is saying it's the same thing with you. On the last day when I return, when uh, the thousand-year reign begins, those of you who stick to it, you're going to be the ones I put in charge. I'm looking for a few good men and women. Like Lindsay Snyder. That's the next, yeah, there she is. Lindsay Snyder, she's younger than I am. She's 39. She's been in charge of In-N-Out Burger since she was 30 for nine years. I think my understanding is that uh, I think her parents died before she was, like, old enough. And so I think they held the company in trust. Is that what it was? And then so she turned 30, and then she started taking over. By 35 is now the, she runs In-N-Out. She's worth $1.1 billion dollars. She's widely uh, thought of as, as one of the, the greatest CEOs that's alive today. Why? What makes Lindsay Snyder so different than the other CEOs? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. We went to Ruby's three weeks ago. I love Ruby's. My kids love Ruby's. 
They love the mac and cheese. I like the, they have like a sriracha burger. Not anymore. They changed the mac and cheese. They changed the beef of the, the burgers. And they changed the fries. The only thing they didn't touch was the, the shakes. And I was like, I will never go to this restaurant ever again so long as I live. I hope it burns to the ground. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm passionate about this. How, how, for years, I had a, there was a trust between me and Ruby's. They broke that trust. And so they're dead to me. The difference is, Lindsay Snyder has been running in and out for nine years. The burger that I grew up eating, back then I would eat like the four by fours. <laughs> and I was still 155 pounds. Amazing. Being a kid's awesome. It tastes exactly the same 30 years later. Because Lindsay Snyder said, no, what makes this great is my grandparents and my parents, they had a vision and it works. They understood how to make the best burger and the best fries, they, they source it with the same beef, the same cheese, the same vegetables. They figured it out. I'm not going to mess with the formula. And so when the time came, she was ready to receive the authority that once had been her grandparents, her parents. Similarly, God is calling Christians And saying, if you stick to the formula, if you receive my authority, you recognize how the world is ordered, you live according to that, you share that with us. If you stick to that, if you stay with that, I am going to share my authority with you. You will rule in the millennial kingdom and possibly in the new heavens and new earth. This is a very, very serious promise. That if you accept Jesus' authority, you will be CEO. You're actually going to be a ruler in the kingdom of God. That's the last thing here. Notes. Those who submit joyfully to God's laws will one day receive not all of, but a portion of God's authority. So you see that? You see there's, there's two ways, friends, for a grace church. Bible grace and family. There's two ways you can go as a grace church. You can go the way of Jezebel where you say, I, I want to be free. I want to do what I want. I want to live the way I want. And, and Jesus has paid for it. So there's grace for me and I can do whatever I like. Or you can live in a way that doesn't extend judgment but still holds fast to the way that Jesus has ordered things. And I, I just, I, man... I know that it's hard for us. I know, especially in this country, it's hard for us. But, but can you imagine what it would be like if all of us, corporately, individually, made a commitment to say, you know what, I'm going to be gracious, and I'm not going to hold people, I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to and love, but I'm also going to be 100% committed to being under Jesus' authority, living the way that he asks us to live. What would it be like if all the churches in Orange County started doing that? I mean, how revolutionary would would we be if people saw us and were like, wow, you take all that stuff seriously? The generosity, the self-control, the... Really? 
I think people would look at us and they would be like, man, this is, this is like, they, they stick to what works. I mean, man, have you noticed that when you get off the reservation, it doesn't work. It's a disaster. Jesus set it up this way for a reason. And if we could be that light, For the most part, we are that, that light. I'm so proud of the people here. I'm so proud of the way God's shaped and formed you. I'm so proud of the, the, the way that you transform and the way that our community like, just comes together and sees us growing and changing. I love it. It's the coolest. And so I think if we want to be Thyatira, we got to do exactly what Jesus told them to do. Hold fast. Stay with it. Come into my kingdom. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we, we confess to you that we're people that um, we're attracted, we're we're interested in liberty and freedom. We want to see how far we can push the boundaries. We want to see if we can do things differently and be unique. And but God, we also confess that you've created this world a certain way. That you've put your stamp, your cross-shaped moral stamp on this universe. And you've called us to be people who are controlled and self-giving. People dedicated, committed to love and belief and faithfulness and, and service outside of our own doors and patient endurance in times of suffering and persecution and alienation. And God, we thank you for the gift of your son who showed us what it's like. Who was hailed as king and crucified as a criminal and a blasphemer. who is fully love, fully faithful, a true servant, and the strongest of the endurers. Holy Spirit, come in power and make us like Jesus. And Jesus, we wish to hold fast until you come again. In your name we pray, amen.